My name is Michael Thornburr, and I am one of the elders here at Greenbelt Church. We're continuing with our theme of Healthy Habits of the Christian, a series that Kevin started some weeks ago. And my message is entitled, Choose Life, Choose Life in the Spirit. So today I'm pleased to join with you in looking at one of the most famous of Paul's writings, that from Romans chapter 8. Romans is the most systematic of Paul's letters. That is, he explains in great detail the doctrine of the cross, the doctrine of salvation in Jesus Christ. And keep in mind as you're reading these scriptures, reading this text, that he explains that he is writing to a mainly Jewish audience in Rome who have as their background all they've learned from childhood about the stories about deliverance from Egypt through Moses, about the coming Messiah, and about the age to come. He often writes in a way that would make his theology more understandable to them. So the chapter starts with a grand word, therefore, therefore, meaning he's bringing to a conclusion and an argument from earlier on. It points back to chapter 5, where Paul shows how Christians are set free from the condemnation of sin that was brought on through Adam, because now they have received Christ into their lives. Now they're believers. They're free from that condemnation. Then after chapter 6 and 7, which he takes a, takes a bit of a detour, he returns to his argument again. His argument is that the salvation of the believer is sure in Jesus Christ. Have you ever felt condemned in life? Condemned, like guilty, because of something you said or something you did or some, some ways you were thinking, your thought life? If so, today's message is good news because God does not hold our failures against us if we are in Christ. Let's read the passage from Romans 8. I'll read from verses 1 to 13. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do, in that it was weakened by the flesh, God did, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in the flesh. In order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us, who do not live according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires, but those who live according to the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God, does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. You, however, you are not in the realm in the flesh, in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the spirit, if indeed the spirit of God lives in you. 
And if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the spirit of him who raised Christ Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will give life also to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it is not to the flesh to live according to its desires. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the spirit you put the death, the misdeeds of the body, you will live. Let's pray. So, Lord Jesus, we thank you that we are able to join together online or in this watch party just uh, after having worshipped you and glorifying you for who you are. We just look to look at the scripture and we pray by your Holy Spirit for we're learning more about your Holy Spirit this morning. We pray by your Holy Spirit that you would speak into our lives, teach us about yourself, teach us about how we are to live and glorify your name for we praise it. In Jesus' name, amen. So, turning back to verse 1 again, Paul writes that, Therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That really sounds good, doesn't it? No condemnation. Wow, that sounds fantastic. But wait, is there a catch? Is there a catch? What's the catch? No condemnation. Paul has just said in the previous chapter how he desires to do what is right but ends up doing what is against God's law. And this is what Paul calls calls the law of sin. So for Paul, the law of sin is desiring to do what is right, but ending up doing what is against God's law. That is the law of sin. That's unfortunately the way the law works in our lives. So how does that tie in to not being condemned, I wonder? So once again, have you ever been condemned? Have you ever felt condemned? Not condemned to die, certainly, but condemned to face some consequence for what you've done. You know it's coming. The payment for your wrongdoing, it's inevitable. You're maybe losing sleep. Maybe you can't concentrate. Maybe you're not feeling well. Not long ago, I mistakenly passed a school bus that was loading children. And I thought being three lanes over and with a median in between, I was well enough away from the kids and I was okay. But there was still an apprehension that that ticket would come in the mail. Would it come? Won't it come? I hope not, but it caused me a lot of anxiety. And sure enough, it did come. And it included a hefty fine as well. I decided to contest the ticket, hoping to get some credit for my ignorance at the time. The bus driver had been waving at me at the time. She had her arm out the window and she was waving like this and waving like this. And I couldn't decide. I, 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 st- I slowed down, but I thought she was saying, it's okay, go ahead, go ahead, there's no worries. But I wasn't sure what to do, and I assumed she was giving me the go-ahead to continue, but I was wrong. So I went in person to court and humbly pled my case of ignorance. Then the magistrate graciously lowered my fee. So was I guilty, guilty of breaking the law? Yes, I was, for sure. I was guilty in legal terms. And was there grace applied in my favor? For sure. And will this change the way I drive? Well, I hope so, and the answer to that is not so clear. But can you relate to my story? 
it is the same as the condemnation. Is this the same as the condemnation, sorry, that Paul says we are freed from in verse 1? Is it the same? Can you relate the two? Can we compare my story being forgiven for part of my fine with that of the work of the Spirit of Christ in my heart? I don't think so. I don't think so. There's no comparison at all. First of all, in verses 3 and 4, Jesus says that, or Jesus, it says that Jesus condemned sin in the flesh. In other words, he, de- he declared sin to be guilty. He passed judgment on it. And so he declared sin to be, he made a declaration, sin is guilty, sin is evil, and he judged it at that point. And then even more, he broke sin's power over us. So when we receive Jesus into our lives, we receive the free gift of a life with a spirit in control. Free gift of a life with a spirit in control. And Jesus does not go halfway with us like the judge did for giving half the penalty for our disobedience and expecting us to cover the rest. No, Paul wrote that the righteous requirement of the law the Old Testament law given by Moses that we are unable to keep on our own strength, that law is now fully met in us as Christians who live according to the Spirit. The Spirit secures complete freedom of the law, complete fulfillment of the law in our, on our behalf. And secondly, Paul writes in verse 5 that when we live according to the Spirit, our minds are set in what that Spirit desires. So not only will Jesus remove the condemnation, the penalty of death because of sin under which all people begin life with, but he will transform our minds to do what is right, what the Spirit desires. Jesus removes the condemnation and transforms our minds to change our hearts. But we do have a choice. We have a choice about how to live. Will my driving be better than before? That's a choice I have to make. Will we live in the realm of the Spirit? Will we walk in the Spirit? Paul says, through Christ, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set us free. So what is our healthy habit in this case? Will our habit be to choose life with the Spirit? Will our choice be life? Or will we choose death by living in the flesh? This is our big idea, to choose life in every area of our lives with the Spirit. So going on to verse 5, where Paul writes, Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires, but those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. So Paul is contrasting two kinds of people in verses 5 to 8. Those who live with their minds set on how to fulfill the needs of the flesh or those who live with their minds set on how to fulfill the desires of the Spirit of God. These are not people who carelessly break a traffic law. Here Paul is talking about the mindset, what's deep in your mind, the basic direction of a person's will. I think that when I passed that loaded school bus, my mind was focused on getting to my destination as soon as possible not going out of my way to obey the law. Paul writes that the mind is governed or controlled or directed by the power of sin, which leads to spiritual death, spiritual death, not physical death. We can become a prisoner to the law of sin, 
Not only can sin be in our lives, but we can be in bondage to sin. I can remember a time in my life when I felt in bondage to sin. I could not break a habit no matter what I did. Once I was trapped in that pattern of living, it seemed impossible to break free. It was after many years of praying and begging God for help that I finally saw the truth that freedom was available to me and I was released. I had allowed that habit to take up too strong a hold in me. It took time for the change to happen in my life that the Spirit was working to make. So Paul talks about the flesh, and Paul's description of the flesh here can be defined as, here I'm quoting, a condition natural to people in which God and the spiritual realm are left out of account. So in, in other words, it's a, it's a condition of people that has no awareness of God, no awareness of the spiritual realm. They're totally focused on their own lives. They're totally focused on themselves. They don't realize that there's consequences for what they do. So to be in the flesh is to be helplessly trapped helplessly trapped in that situation because they're not, they're not aware of anything beyond themselves. Those people think in a narrow human way, having the mind of the flesh, narrowly human, and live in a narrow human way, living according to the flesh. So their mind is thinking according to the flesh, and they live according to the flesh as well. So once again, it's a human condition in which God and the spiritual realm are totally out of the picture, there's no need for them to live up to a standard beyond themselves. They are their own standard. Secondly, people are helplessly trapped in the situation. They're helpless. There's no way of escape for them but for Jesus. And people live in a way that totally excludes God. So they make decisions and they live their lives in a way that, that's very selfish. So contrast that person to another whose mind is governed by the Spirit of God leading to life and peace. Life and peace, not death and emptiness. Life and peace. Verse 6 says, The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. So which kind of person are you? I found that sometimes my inclination is toward the flesh, and other times I am led by the Spirit. However, if you're a Christian... Paul writes in verse 9 that you live in the realm of the power of the Spirit, not of the flesh. We've been born again into the power of the Spirit. We've been born again into the power of the Spirit, not the flesh. So we do have choices regarding our minds. How are we forming our minds? What are we putting in our minds? What are we exposing them to our you have to ask yourself, are we exposing them to the value system of a flesh, of the world, where there's no place for God? Or are we exposing them to spiritual food? So we need to try to feed our minds with spiritual food. The mind must be evolved when we have quiet time, read scripture, and pray. It can't be just a rote action that we do in terms of prayer reading and praying, the mind must be involved. We have to allow the mind to be fed with spiritual food. So building a healthy habit of choosing life means you're more and more governed by the Spirit of God. And Paul writes that those controlled by the sinful nature cannot please God. 
Do you want to please God? Live by the Spirit. Choose life desiring to please the Spirit. Please the Spirit. So if we go on to verse 9, here's the transition from death to life in the body. Verse 9, you, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, He, talking about God, who raised Christ from the dead, will also give life to your mortal bodies because His Spirit lives in you. So there's the good news, eh? There's the good news, verses 9 to 11. Those who have received Christ as Savior are living in the realm of the Spirit. So the healthy habit of choosing life controlled by the Spirit is available to us as believers. The Spirit rules as we're, as us, for us as believers. We enjoy life and peace, Paul writes, in this life. And at the end of our lives, our bodies will be resurrected by that same Spirit who lives inside us. Do you sense that your life is out of control and that you are powerless to get free? Maybe you're living in the realm of the flesh, a mindset that has no place to God, no place for God, and looks for hope in other ways, material ways, but those ways always disappoint us. Perhaps now is your time to reach out for Jesus, for help. Today you can receive Jesus as your Savior. When you sincerely tell him your need and admit that there is no other hope but him, Jesus Christ will enter your life. Paul writes, if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It's a belief in your heart that Jesus has done the marvelous work, dying on the cross, being raised from the dead to life, now in heaven, interceding for us. That's the mystery and the marvelous salvation message. And Jesus has promised to send the Holy Spirit into your life to free you from being trapped into sin and to give you new life, give your life new hope and new meaning. That promise is there for you today. I encourage you to make that decision. And if you've done so, please click the button on the chat screen if you're watching online, or let us know if you're watching in person at the watch party. Pastor Kevin would love to pray for you and send you some information that would help you get started on your new life. So let's carry on. Verse 12, this is the responsibility of the believer. So verse 12 says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it's not to the flesh to live according to it. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. Put to death the deeds of the sinful nature. Stop doing those things that are not honoring to God. So, number one, Paul is serious about the need for us to live the new life God gives us. Our response isn't optional. It's necessary. Paul says we have an obligation. 
He just, he just doesn't say, well, maybe you'd like to think about doing this. No, we're obliged to do it, and our obligation is to live according to the Spirit. But secondly, this response that we are making is empowered by the Spirit. So we have to make a choice to choose the Spirit, but that choice or the follow-through from that is empowered by the Spirit. We know we can't commit, stop committing sins in our own power. It can only be done by the Spirit. So God gives us the Spirit to enable us to do it. And Paul never suggests that the inheritance of future life means that we stop sinning altogether. What God demands of us in this verse is clear, to be making long-term progress, to become less like the world, to become sanctified, in other words, to become less like the world, the flesh, and more like Christ. So choose life. Choose life in the power of the Spirit. So there's some, But there's some tension there. You may have picked it up as we've been going along. Verse 1, back to verse 1, Therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus the law of the Spirit, who gives life, has set you free from the law of sin and death. But compare that to verse 13. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. So Paul's saying in verse 1 and 2, there's no condemnation. Believe in Jesus and you're set free. But verse 13 says, but if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. It sounds like there's something we have to do as well. So how can both be true? Is it still up to us to earn eternal life? And the answer is definitely no, it's not up to us. Jesus, God, does all the work. So there's a balance in the Christian life between security and responsibility. The Spirit's involvement in our life is always to produce fruit that's pleasing to God. We are secure in our salvation as we allow the Spirit to do His work. But the Spirit doesn't do His work apart from our part in the process. We do have a part in the process. So again, in verse 13, if you look carefully, it says, By the Spirit you put to death. So the Spirit and our part is, are attached very closely. So the responsibility of choosing to, to submit ourselves to the work of the Spirit rests with us. It's our decision to make that choice. We need to turn away from our fleshly lifestyle. We need to make that choice. Choose to put sin to death. And this can only be done through the Spirit. It's a mystery. But when we make that choice, the Spirit empowers us and we're able to have victory over sin. So again, that's the choice we must make to choose life, to choose a life being led by the Spirit who gives life. How are you living your life? Are you resisting the Spirit in some area of your life? Ignoring His promptings to make a good choice? Maybe a choice that will not lead you deeper into sin's grip. Are you familiar with hearing the prompting of the Spirit? The more, the closer we get to God and Jesus, the more we listen to the Spirit he will prompt us which things are good to do, which things are not good to do. It's, somewhat, it's training that we must engage in, but those, the Spirit will lead and direct 
and prompt us to do what is right. So again, let's close off. This is from verse 14. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. The Spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. The Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. So there's a progression there. Do you see it? Those are those who are led by the Spirit are adopted children of God. We're adopted into God's family. So when Paul talks about being led by the Spirit, it means having your life oriented by the Spirit. So he's not talking about choosing to do this or that individual decisions. He's talking about a whole lifestyle, a whole mindset being oriented by the Spirit. So we have led by the Spirit, children of God, and then we have heirs of God. This is another basis for assurance that there's no condemnation for us in Christ. We are heirs of God. We'll be, we'll be inheriting eternal life and a wonderful future when we die. So God provides the most secure relationship imaginable, adoption into his eternal family. Through faith in Christ, the Son of God, we become his brothers, his sisters, children of God, and co-heirs with Christ, and our adoption is permanent. So what's going on in your life? Are you afraid? Are you afraid of the future? Are you afraid of abandonment, having to go through life alone? Are you afraid of death? For our position in Christ is secure. We need not fear our future hope. Our future hope in Jesus is secure. So looking back at our healthy habits, we choose life in every area of our lives with the Spirit. We choose life desiring to please the Spirit. We choose life in the power of the Spirit. We choose life led by the Spirit. And we choose life in the security of God's Spirit. Let's take a time to take time to pray. So Heavenly Father, we thank you for this message and we thank you for the, the scripture, this text that so encourages us as believers in Christ. Gives us a future hope that cannot be taken away and brings us together in wonderful fellowship under you, Lord. We pray for those who have struggles with the bondage to flesh, the bondage to sin, we ask that you would enable them to be freed. You would free them from these sins that so overtake people, Lord, and uh, help them to, uh, perhaps they need to reach out and reach out to another believer who can pray for them and encourage them as they break free. For you have the power to do that, Holy Spirit, and it's your desire to conform us to the image of Jesus Christ. So we commit this day and we commit this truth to you in Jesus' name. Amen.